Welcome to the Perlow Podcast. We talk construction, its people, its challenges, its opportunities. We talk to industry and trade experts, movers and shakers, and people who get buildings built right. Join us, you won't regret it. Welcome to the Perlow Podcast. My name is Alyssa Looney, Perlow's Director of Strategic Initiatives, and I am joined here today by Joe York, our General Superintendent. Thank you for having me. And Devin Koopman, our Vice President of Construction Services. Glad to be here. Welcome to the podcast. We're going to explore site logistics in construction, which is a critical piece of the planning and execution of construction sites. I like to think about it as really the foundation of setting up an efficient and safe site. Um, how we move and store materials, people, vehicles, equipment, those all make a difference uh, in how a project runs and whether it stays on schedule, that kind of thing. So Devin, when you think about site logistics, what comes to mind for you? Number one would be, um, rarely is it shown on the drawings. So, and I don't think enough time gets spent on the topic. Um, has everything to do with how you access the site and as you said, where your trailer goes, um, routing of trucks, traffic access, signage, stockpiles, material procurement, which is such a big deal in the current climate with uh, supply chain issues. So it all needs to be considered. Um, and it's just, you, you wanna be proactive about it um, uh, as opposed to reactive. And we, we preach that all the time. So that's what comes to mind to me. What about you, Joe? Well, those are good points. Actually, you, bringing up the current climate and then the material shortage and the need to uh, procure materials early, I mean, that brings me to segue on that. Site logistics might even be purchasing extra yards off-site to, to lease them to hold materials. We've had to think outside the box and, and potentially get storage area for materials that we know we couldn't get if we didn't get in line right then to get them. So. That's a really good point with the market where we're at. But I think pre-con too, I, th I think that it is the recipe for whether or not you're gonna end up with a well-baked job at the end, right? Um, I don't think anybody goes in trying to bake a cake without having a recipe and it's pretty much the same in our world, just with a lot bigger consequences, right? So um, we've been doing really well with all the moving parts of doing pre-cons and pre-con, one of the biggest things that comes up is we, we look at what their plans are for site logistics as far as where they're going to place their trailer, what their site access is going to be. Um, it, it's understanding the end results so we can work the job backwards to the beginning and understand where we need to be a year from now. I mean, you don't want to be placing your trailer in a spot that you need to do your groundwork and you're going to move it 10 times before the end of the job. So logistics are everything. And I mean, it, it ranges from job to job. I mean, it could be a, a greenfield build, which we call when we get a, an empty lot and we build a whole building, ground up building. Or it could just be a TI that we're working on the inside and our logistics are working with the owner, with neighboring people, deliveries, all kinds of stuff. So logistics is massive if you're gonna succeed. Nothing, nothing that we do goes without pre-planning. Yeah, so you're talking logistics of traffic routes in and out, sure. uh, materials laydown areas. And to your point, those I think have had to get bigger in yeah. this last couple of years because of how hard we're, we can't really do just in time material delivery at the moment. Because um, if you try to do that, you're not going to get your materials. So more space to lay things down. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. And if you think about, you start talking about lay down area and stuff like that, and the fact that there isn't as many large lots for people to develop anymore, we see lots that the building now takes most all the lot. Mm -hmm. 
and and where are we going to be able to build that building and still lay it down? Uh, we're dealing with one of those up up north towards Auburn, where the the logistics of the building causes us to have to segment the build, and luckily we're able to get a lot of underground done before we start the building, down to just being able to park your cruise trucks, your vehicles, your deliveries coming in. If you can't get a neighboring property to make your foot or your your footprint larger for the build, you got to get creative. So pretty selfish of them though to maximize site coverage and their return on their investment to have less <laughs> less laydown area and for us to, to park but our vehicles. But it vehicle. is it's such a true thing though. You know, I mean there's there's just not as big a lots just sitting out there. Yeah. So you see these lots that um, they're having to get creative with how they utilize their space, which means a lot of times we end up with a lot less space to exist while we're building the building. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a, it's an opportunity to get in front of it if you're seeing this. Not a, Hopefully you're seeing some of this at bid time so that we're planning the job and loading the job correctly. But if not, you still have to at least get in front of the inevitable. It's coming your direction. You're going to have to deal with it. So it's either a freight train that hits you in your face and you're reactive are you going to get proactive and try to get in front of it? And a lot of times our owners, we've noticed that uh, we do a lot of storage units and stuff like that. We get the storage units sit on very small lots. They all do because they don't need parking. So because they don't need parking, we don't have a lot of room to build the building. Uh, we had to get roof systems early for those buildings, and we've been able to get those into lease spaces where we've kept them off-site and trucked them back in. A lot of times if you get in front of our owner, that's part of the logistics they'll actually prefer to pay ahead to make sure that they're going to get their materials on time. So mm -hmm. it's definitely been a creative time to try to figure stuff out. So really site logistics isn't necessarily the site where the building goes. It's also offsite parking, storage, um, staging for truck deliveries, maybe, um, depending on the jurisdiction and, and the room you've got on your site there's more to it than just what's happening on on the postage stamp where your site is oh it all the way through i mean uh another part of the logistics will be how those materials are coming to you those are usually shipped with a third party shipper mm -hmm. so we're trying to gain information to understand when they're coming we're trying to gain information so that we can schedule when trucks can be down we got a job going in downtown vancouver and he's working the for our top fourth and fifth floor he's got 10 different semi-trucks that have to come and he could take one at a time to get the forklift to load them into the fifth floor through a window. Now you got a third-party delivery happening with all these different semi-trucks and now your logistics plan has changed to how do I manage these deliveries to get them done without extra crane moves. So mm -hmm. your logistics happens, it's nonstop. I mean, that's what our superintendents are built for. Yeah. I can only imagine that's probably why traveling with them on a family vacation is well planned out, you know. <laughs> I know that's what my wife says when we travel. You plan it all? You, well, no, I plan how that day is going. Oh, <laughs> We're two hours early to the airport and that's the way it's going to be. Hey, we can travel together. I'm good with that. How do we use site logistics to our advantage to create efficiencies on our job sites? Uh, let, let me use an example of a concrete pour. So we like to pour concrete. Um, we like to pour a lot of it. Uh, oftentimes we do it at two o'clock in the morning if we can, um, just to maximize the efficiency. But you know, those pours can be 50, 60, 70 trucks. That's delivering concrete to your project. So it's done at a dark hour. You've got light towers. 
How are they getting in? Where's the pump truck being staged? Where's your concrete washout being located? But I mean, your goal is time is money. So you need them to come in, especially if they're around tripping, dumping, going back to the plant to get filled up, coming back to you. You need to get them in and off your site as quick as possible. So you have to be totally choreographed and, and clear. Um, you know, I, I'm a signage guy from a, I always put my vendor hat on. I say, I have no idea who and where anyone is on the site. I pull up, where's, where's the trailer? Who am I talking to? Is there directional arrows that say park here, drive there, access here? So um, I try to beat that drum a lot too, uh, because as Joe said, there's a lot of third party people coming that they don't know anything and they don't care. They just got some good stuff load and who's got the forklift and where's it going? So, um, but it's all about efficiency and, and being proactive at the, at the end of the day. You know, your comment about being a visitor to the site also makes me think about site logistics in terms of emergencies and what happens if we have an emergency response and there uh, you want to make sure that they've got a good route in and out of the site in case you need it, that there's people set up to go flag them down to show them where to go, um, that there's exit routes. I mean, site logistics even pertains to safety in terms of emergency response. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, if you start talking safety, that's another segment of site logistics plan for that. So we'll plan the safety plan of, in orientation, we're telling them where we're gonna meet in case of emergency. We have to plan all that stuff out, where the crews will go, how emergency vehicles will come in. So we'll have that planned out inside of our, our shack as well and hung on the side. Um, the, if you really came to a job site and you tried to boil any item that we do on that job site, I believe it would actually have its own logistics to how it was planned out, right? But going back to the concrete pours, you brought up a good point. I mean, that that site logistics plan, that, that day of the pour, that adapts throughout the day. So you're asking that concrete company, maybe you want 15 minute spacings between your truck because you're throwing down that much concrete. And so that pertains to how many vehicles are gonna be round tripping during that 15 minute duration. And as you can expect, if we start the pump at four o'clock in the morning, after we get everything set up, we set up, we start at four, the logistics of those trucks making 15 minute spaces changes on geographically, where are you? Are you close to the batch plant? Are you a long ways from the batch plant? Did traffic get harder by about rush hour once you got to about seven, eight o'clock in the morning? Are those trucks having a harder time making that? So that whole day has a separate plan to it. So I would never pretend that everything that we learned about the logistics of that job stops at pre-con and everything lives off that one template. It's emerging throughout that whole entire job task specific. Yeah, so there's sort of a overall plan for maybe some of the big items, your crew parking, uh, where the job trailer is, where your traffic routes are in and out, but then, then there's task specific as well. Yeah, the other thing about that, we love that early morning pour because there's no traffic. We're getting the mud down and we're getting it down. If it's the summertime, we're getting it down before it gets a darn hot, then we're starting to have problems with our mud. That's one of the plans for the early. But the other thing that can hiccup us with the logistics would be the, the, the geographical location amount of right next door to residential. And if I'm right next door to residential, you better start planning because you got different jurisdictions that are gonna tell you you're not pouring before 7 a.m. There's ways around that and we plan that out with the city to try to get uh, ordinances changed so that we can do scheduled pours on these days, but then the plan will have to be put into place of how do we notify? Do we change our light tower directions away from the neighborhood? Do we potentially shut off the backup alarms on the trucks and have people flagging the trucks in to stay safe because now backup alarms are off? So there's 
there's a lot more that goes into it for sure. Or do we just give them Starbucks gift cards and say sorry? <laughs> that might work. We've had some that no matter what we do, they just aren't going to be happy with it. So all these big, bad, noisy construction companies. <laughs> I have to say, I live near a pretty large commercial nursery, and they drive their little wagons between their lots all the time, and they drag dirt everywhere. And every time, all I can think of is they would never allow a construction site to be that messy on a public road like these nurseries are. No, that, that's for sure. I mean, well, then you start talking about dirt. That brings us to the site logistics of planning out our erosion control mm -hmm. and what our erosion control is going to be. Am I near a wetlands? How am I going to discharge water? How am I going to keep the water on site so we're not getting fined by ecology or anybody else, clean water services? So there's another segue on logistics. It just never stops. Where's your wheel wash? Come on. That's right. We want that wheel wash. Get that dirt out of my road. You may have a federal jurisdiction, state, county, city, um, sometimes even local neighborhood associations. I mean, it runs the gamut. Let's talk through how those can affect our site logistics plans. Well, I mean, permits, that could be one that comes to mind is if we're down by the airport and we have any FFA regulations with flight patterns or different things that we might have a problem with a crane being up in the air at a certain time or different things that we have to put into place to even have that crane there or any of the activities we're doing, um, that'll come into play. Inspectors are something that, believe it or not, logistics affect that. The jurisdictions can be so much different depending on where you're going. Uh, certain jurisdictions don't inspect items that we inspect in Portland. And when you go out of town to Sacramento or you go over towards Spokane or you go Idaho, you go wherever, you're going to have a learning curve of trying to understand what they're calling in, what they're looking at, the, the hot buttons for them. Uh, so I've also been to places where um, they sh they're so rural and away from everything that they might have a building inspector, but it's sharing it with a very large area. And they might, uh, a lot of these areas will bring in a county inspector that is brought in on certain days to do electrical inspections. So you got to be able to plan your job around when those inspections are going to happen because a lot of those inspections are going to be key inspections to get to your next stage on your schedule. So being mindful of those and understanding that part of your jurisdiction. Um, stormwater comes to mind and what's going to happen. What works in Portland doesn't necessarily work in Seattle and doesn't necessarily work in Sacramento. I mean, we were down in we go down to Eureka and we find out that part of its jurisdiction, we're looking at a weed of interest. Yeah, I mean, weed it, of interest, not it, weed. It, no, it's, it's, it's true. It was eyes wide open and we only learned that by going down to the uh, place that we're going to get special inspections from. And they did the geo reports over there and they let us know, hey, such and such, the entity has looked at it, there is a weed of interest and it, it has to do with a, a specific weed that grows in this specific area. And what we see in Oregon is we see us protecting tree roots and, and tree protection. So we'll put fences around those to get our, our site set up. Well, we're gonna have to not touch a whole segment of this lot because there's a weed of interest. And then we had supers that were down in Sacramento and they found out very quickly that they had to get trained up on different was, was lizards and different things that they were looking for down there that couldn't be on the job site. And if they were, uh, if they got inside of pipes and things like that, 
they were protected. So I, there's all kinds of weird stuff that comes into play that you don't find until you understand the geographical area that you're working on. Could be the migrating turtle. We've dealt with that too. So, But those are kind of some silly little things. But some of the things we'll see is uh, we'll get into a inner city area. And if we're going to run trucks, we had it happen over at our job off of uh, Happy Valley area. Um, it's a storage unit, and once again, it has no room to bring multiple trucks and stage them for concrete pours. So we had to pre-plan with the city to get an agreement to set them up on a side road and bell them in. We call belling in when we call them in until one truck at a time can come to the pump. But that was stuff that had to be planned and okayed with the city to be able to perform those tasks. You know, so. Is site logistics a one and done thing or do those plans change over time? We've talked a little bit about it in terms of unique work scopes, but what about kind of the job as a whole? Is your, is your site plan gonna stay the same? Let me, let me start out with this one. So I like to, I like to describe this as, uh, this is Peyton Manning coming up to the line before the ball snapped, right? He loves calling Omaha, he's calling audibles. To have a successful site logistics plan, you've got to call audibles all the time. Um, you don't know on a specific day, three months ahead of when you start, when you're gonna be pouring concrete and routing them around your building, and the fact that you might be digging a utility trench for the electrician on that same day. So you've got those kind of landmines and bogeys happening every day, evolving, and you've got to roll with the punches of routing. What made sense on day one doesn't make sense you know, on day 90. So. Um, it's absolutely a living, breathing, um, adjusting uh, on the fly, but yet proactive to kind of the lay of the land and where you are. So you are never done. It reminds me of um, when we were talking with our project managers, Chris McEnroe, Whitney, um, Brock were on a few months ago, and we talked about planning and reactivity and the fact that construction is always changing and you're always reacting, but you can only react well if you have planned well in the first place. Yeah, I call it plan A, B, C, and D, and we'll see if we have to tap in E and F, you know? So <laughs> you gotta be ready, it's going to change, and as the site evolves, you'll have different opportunities that maybe you didn't see when you planned in the beginning. So there's chance to improve your site logistics plan, not just to live with the problems, you could improve it. I mean, I was doing a job in Vancouver, and at the start of the logistics plan, I waited to start the job so that I could get the area I'd be putting my trailer, get the grading done in that area so I wouldn't have to move it again. Knowing that I'd have to move it in the end, not yet having the plan of where that might be. As the job progressed, we were able to find a neighboring property that we were able to lease a small postage stamp lot behind their property to then move my trailer over to so that I could get off the footprint of the project I was doing, get all of the, what we call civil work done, all of the paving, the curbs, the landscaping, and later move that trailer out. But it's not an opportunity that would have presented itself on paper in the very beginning. Like you say, it's never sitting there on paper. But if you're willing to sit there and look and talk and understand your area and what's going on, options will come available to you. back to the topic of efficiencies is a thought just occurred to me about manpower loading and I know we want to talk a little bit about site logistics related to tenant improvement work sure. and not just new construction but I'm thinking about trailer placement 
uh, crew parking, access to the building, and how all that ties into crew efficiencies, right? You don't want your crew to be hiking five miles to get to the job site. And this is where on some of those postage stamp sites where the building takes up the whole thing, we have crew parking off site and, and a van that transports them. So you wanna talk a little bit more about how manpower loading is also a product of your site logistics? I believe that's when the site logistic, logistics changes to how do, I, how do I plan the work? And earlier I was talking about how you look at your end result and you work that job backwards. Well, usually that'll show us milestones of where we wanna be during the duration of that build. And if you start talking about what we call TIs, which is a tenant improvement, uh, we can also use that generically for when we're building out just about any space. So people sometimes call the inside of a tilt build out, even though it's brand new, it's the TI section of the build. The ability to get that done in the schedule that we're allotted for the job. So say we're allotted three months for that job. That gives us a chance to build a logistics plan to get that done. You know where you need to be in three months and you know where you are to start. So then to stack those trades in the correct route, that creates a logistics plan for that job. In my mind, that's almost like going around in circles. So you start that job and you're gonna start the framers at this area and work it through. If you can segment that job and make a plan of logistical attack for it, you'll have trades following each other instead of throwing them all in one punch bowl and they're on top of each other. The efficiency will not be there. You will not make your schedule if you do that. You have to plan to allow them to move through the building following each other. So Framer takes off the electrical and MEP subs follow behind him. As they get through the inspections happen, the drywaller starts behind him. The drywaller is followed by the painter and you continue to work around the horn to get the project done and get to the end. Um, to give everybody their time allotted in that area. Uh, interestingly enough, that brings up a side note, that was something that we found ourselves, one of the most complicated things that we were dealing with with COVID when we were in TIs was we didn't have the ability to be outside and have the outside space. So planning a TI to have that much manpower in an area, we were trying to really plan the segmenting route around that project to have different trades in different areas, as a side note. But mm -hmm. I mean, that was a logistics plan to do that at that point in time site, as well. Site logistics got way more complicated when COVID came it, along. I think it gave us some insight into how we could do some things better. Because I'll tell you, if your whole plan is just to call up every single sub and tell them, here's your spot, go get it done, you're gonna fail, they're gonna fail. You haven't planned anything out. You haven't done your job. You haven't done your job for your contractor that you're employed by. You haven't done it for the owner that's paying the money for the job to get it done and you're, you're screwing over your subs. So if you can spearhead that and get the involvement from them, the buy-in of how they're gonna plan it, it's just gonna be better for everybody in the long run. I think um, security-wise, we probably learned some lessons from COVID too, you know, jobs where we didn't pay so much attention to who's accessing the site and when. Now they had to stop for a temperature check, make sure they're all cleared health-wise before they're let in, that kind of thing. Sure. So a lot of lessons there to be learned. It was an interesting time, for sure. So let's talk a little more about tenant improvements and site logistics to go along with those. How do those differ from a new build where you've got greenfield space to work with? Well, a lot of stuff changes when the building's already built out. You now have, so say we're in a three-story, we're called upon to go build out the third floor. 
this building now potentially has two floors of tenants that are occupying the spaces below. So the first thing you're going to ask when you're starting the job as a superintendent, what are, what's going to be the work hours? What level of noise can the neighbors handle without there being a problem? Most of the time in those situations, we're going to be notifying all of our subcontractors that it's off-hour work. So we can, the benefit to off-hour work, even though nobody wants to work at night, is that we're going to get our deliveries quicker, we're going to be more productive, we're going to get more done without trying to be quiet and work around everybody. The other thing that happens in these buildings is that we're needing to get everything up through a building that is finished. So we got an elevator lobby. They always love to dress up their elevator lobby. We got elevators that are brand new and pristine. Are we gonna hang blankets on them? Do we get a utility elevator to just bring our stuff up, a freight elevator? Or do we have to make the logistics plan with the owner that we're gonna be putting a chute out your window for dumpster and garbage is gonna be coming out of this window. That's gonna be our area there. We're gonna have a lay down. Maybe on this second floor, you find out that part of that's not occupied that can now potentially become a storage area if you work your cards right, if you plan that out. Parking and being around and having deliveries around people that are actively parking and going to that point of business, those are all your logistics that are gonna play into an occupied space. And that can even change more if that occupied space happens to be downtown. So if we're in downtown Portland, there's no parking lot. There's no, there's no nothing. So you might have in your site logistics plan for doing a TI downtown that each night a dumpster is being dropped off. And each day by 5 a.m., that dumpster's gone because the place that it's going might be not only the loading dock for your debris, but it might also be the first floor that has Nordstrom's in it or something and is getting deliveries of clothing. Everything changes. Way more moving parts, it sounds like. A lot of that will be spelled out with a whole lot of pre-planning. So, I mean, you'll find out if you got to close down lanes for deliveries. Do you have to close down sidewalks? timing of deliveries, and then you got to be sure that your deliveries can be done, that you're dealing with supply houses that are willing to deliver at those mm -hmm. times. Uh, your shoot at the window comment made me think of something that I think we need to bust a myth real quick. I watch movies all the time where they, they have buildings like robbers that are going in and out of a building, right? And you'll see them like slide down the garbage chute. Could a person really do that? They could slide down, but they're going to hurt really bad. By when the they time get, they to, get the to the bottom? <laughs> it's not, a, not an easy slide? No, no. Yeah. Not all garbage dumpsters are filled with fluffy bags of shredded paper. <laughs> Probably most of them are not. And that's a pretty gnarly shoot to be going down. So don't do it. I mean, is that what you're don't. saying? I like the same movies where somebody's crawling around above the ceiling and grid the and just work. little tiles fall down. Yeah, yeah. They're just yeah. walking across ceiling grid. That's my favorite, too. Don't walk on ceiling grid. You can't escape that way. Will not hold you up. Doesn't work. All right. There's our myth-busting fact of the day. <laughs> Anything else we want to hit on related to site logistics? I guess one comment I had, uh, we do a lot of work around existing occupied spaces or it's a, you know, it's a vacant space in an occupied building. But uh, I think the first default is normally sound, noise, and if you're not going to go off-hour work, you know, maybe you're going to be shooting down the metal stud track in the, you know, call it, uh, before normal working hours or after, but you know we had an issue uh, here not long ago, and it had to do with um, smells. And you never know what's going to be the next uh, bothersome item. But this was just flooring adhesive that VOCs. There you go, permeated to you know a neighboring space, and everything was done very above board. But it's needed. Flooring wants to stick, but um, you know we we addressed it. But it was just you know there's always those kind of items that you know call them landmines that are just 
you know, you're trying to sift them out and, and, and deal with them proactively, but there's always going to be something that's going to nip at your heels. And again, you got to adjust and figure out the better way to do it. So, See, Something that since I've been in my position, I've seen that is working so well as a company is that we take the time to get downstairs in our training room and sit as a group for that job. And that could be all the way through the estimating staff, marketing. We get IT down there. Everybody sits and we pre-con that job. And the, the squirrels that we chase after that everybody thinks is drawing out the meeting end up being some of the best topics that we hit on. And that is our opportunity to have a meeting of the minds that people have had different experiences, different ways of looking at it. And we ferret out so many different problems that are going to come. We'll never believe they're all of them, but that's your chance to get in front of stuff. You start talking about you're doing a TI and, and we're talking about, yeah, I'm going to be doing this flooring sub. And then next thing you know, somebody's asking, what kind of flooring are you doing? And you find out, yeah, you're down at the hospital. And well, do you have product that the VOCs are low enough to be down there? Well, they told us to submit on these. Well, that doesn't mean anything. The reality is you're probably going to have to change it. If you can plan these things out and get them in front of your owners, a lot of these things will have cost impacts to them. The last thing we want our owners to have to deal with is unforeseen cost impacts. It makes us look like we're not planning, we're not doing our job. If you can prep an owner for the possibility of cost impacts and get in front of it, I think they can, they can handle it most of the time better, mm -hmm. quite a bit better than to just be caught at the one yard line it's like what what the heck is going on well and if you can plan for it early enough you may be able to not have a cost impact right if you're just swapping out a material but it hasn't been ordered yet maybe it doesn't cost anything but it would have if you'd ordered it and then had a problem well it's definitely going to cost if all of a sudden you need it and you have to overnight air it because yeah. you didn't think about it <laughs> right. right so i mean it, it just comes down to pre-planning and to the what i say about the pre-con that i love so much is that you don't go down there and believe that you're the only person as a superintendent that's going to have to shoulder it. Yeah. In the beginning, you're going to have the chance to have people looking at it. And lessons learned are paid forward on what didn't work for the similar type job. Joe has a lot of passion for this. I don't know if you can tell, but he does. It's good. I like it. Huh? I think that's why he's a general soup. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh... He used to build. <laughs> Devin, I think you have a good quote to, to oh, close us out. Yeah. Before we end on that, I wanted to thank you both for spending some time with me today. For those of you listening, we hope you enjoyed it. And if you've got questions about site logistics, send us a note. We'd love to engage with you. Devin, take us home. Failure to plan is planning to fail. Hope that one's sink in. Thank you for joining us for the Perlo podcast. Visit us online at perlo.biz. Subscribe to catch our future episodes and join us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube to discuss all things construction. And finally, work hard, do what's right, and make it fun. Until next time.